Hello there, my friends. Oh, it's so cold here tonight. I'm sorry for that. Do you feel it? Oh, I feel it. Right to the center of my bones. Normally I feel it and it doesn't quite hurt me, but tonight, tonight, it feels as though it's reaching every single one of us. And as much as it hurts, as much as it aches, as hard as it is to bear, the fact that we do not endure it alone is a little touch of warmth that is both needed and appreciated. There is ice everywhere. Icicles dripping from each and every tree branch in my forest. A frozen solid lake of ice that glimmers in the moonlight. A cold so icy, so bitter, that I have not seen a single bird or squirrel or rabbit or fox all day or night. Only cold. Only snow. Only ice. Can you see it? Can you feel it too? It has been growing, creeping in, day by day for a long time now. Not just this winter, though it has been especially imposing this winter, I admit but it is a cold that has been building and building for several seasons. Even if it has been hot in the summer, or mild in the spring, or beautiful in the fall, this is a cold that has been approaching and encroaching steadily, day by day, waiting for the time to strike. And now it has. It has struck. It has struck us all, I think. Well, most of us, perhaps. But it's all right. You're safe here. Even if it's cold. Here. Let's make up a little fire. One stick at a time. A little tinder from some tree bark and dead leaves. A little kindling from some fallen branches. There. That's a little better. Come sit with me. Let's find a card together. Let's ask my tarot cards. How do we endure this terrible cold? First, I'll shuffle for a bit. Here we are. This card here. Let's flip it over. The Seven of Wands. How strange, how interesting. This card is power, but power that is being challenged. 
it is the need to defend your power. Imagine someone at the top of a hill, strong and proud and victorious, and imagine below them several people's arms raised, clamoring to bring them down. How is it that they're not brought down by others' jealousy, others' bitterness, others' desire for power of their own? I wonder. This card means you are on the right track. You are victorious. You are strong and powerful. But you need to defend that. You need to stand tall in your strength and refuse to have it taken from you. Persevere. Protect yourself. I wonder, perhaps it is getting so cold, so difficult, because we are so strong. So much stronger, even, maybe, than we thought. It is difficult to even see that you are at the top, that you are standing in your power when there is so much out there trying to drag you down. Don't let it. I think that, together, we can remind each other of that power, of that strength, of that victory. If we haven't seen that victory before now, I believe that we yet can. I believe it. Because it has been so cold, and because that cold has reached my bones, and my body aches with it, because I have found it hard to see my own power and strength of late, I fear that I might have only a short story for you tonight. I hope it is enough, my friends. Just a little story. A story for the Seven of Wands. A story for someone who defended their power. Who was confident in their strength. Who did not let others' avarice for it cause them to doubt. Even for a moment. But we will not begin with him. We will instead begin with the adventurers who dared to challenge him. How do I describe this group of vultures? First, there was the ruthless one who sponsored the journey. A wealthy woman of status and nobility, who frequently exploited the labor of others to further her own gains and she did it with a kind of smile and flourish that somehow convinced everyone that her increasing wealth was their increasing victory, that her discoveries were made in the name of progress, not in the name of her own bank account. She had chartered a ship and hired a crew to find a long-forgotten place, hidden, far, far away from the land they were from. But she needed help, something she begrudged greatly. With her was a scholar, a man who had studied other places, other cultures, other lands and traditions, not out of such a thing as admiration or appreciation, 
and not even to learn more about them, but rather to make a name for himself, to put his own name above others. Where the noblewoman was hungry, he was covetous, envious. He felt he deserved more, always, always, and was so angry and bitter that he did not have it, so it was no feat at all to convince him to come with her, and she might even perhaps allow him to name a rare discovery after himself. He could even lead the presentation upon their return home. These things were enough to entice a coward such as him to join her on the journey. That, and the participation of the third core team member. The third party was a weathered warrior, a soldier, a gunslinger, a master of swords and explosives with no respect for the things he destroyed. He cared not a jot for history or superstition, for anything sacred or blessed or haunted. He barely cared if it was expensive or beautiful either, unless the person paying him deemed it so. A mercenary is perhaps the closest thing one might call him. Hardened and accustomed to violence and fire and even death, nothing was sacred to him. Only the work, and he carried it through without question or complaint, so long as he received half his payment up front and half upon completion. He did not want power or fame as the other two did, only wealth. And I assure you, the other two wanted wealth as well. It's only that he saw his task for what it was. And so, violence and getting his hands dirty in the name of that wealth brought him no shame. They sailed across raging seas, through angry tempests and harsh winds, and under silent stars. No joy in their hearts, only hunger, the kind of hunger that can never be sated, a terrible Tantalus-like thirst that even an ocean of water could never slake. They sailed on and on until they reached a land untouched by time, untouched by greed, until now. The three adventurers traveled through overgrown forests and across treacherous rivers. They fought, destroyed, and kept as trophies beautiful and noble beasts, the likes of which they'd never seen in their city. They trampled on frail and beautiful flowers that could have maybe been perfume, food, or even perhaps medicine. They did not care. They had one goal. They were searching for ruins. Ruins of an ancient temple from a people long gone. Or so it appeared. The place was a myth that only recently their scholar had reason to believe likely once had been fact. A place of such beauty with a store of such riches and history within it, a discovery of such significance, that they told no one where they were going, 
and for what they were searching. They might have laughed at them for believing in fairy tales. They might have stopped and questioned the ethics of what they were doing. Hmm, no time for that. Only time for action. For conquering. For grasping. For taking. I saw them walk by, the gunslinger aiming at the sound of howling in the distance, the scholar looking at his map, magnifying glass in hand, the leader a gleeful yet somewhat dead look in her eyes. I watched them as they passed my forest. I watch them now skipping across my imagination, not even noticing me. I smile at the power in that. They don't think they're being seen, but they are. I see them. You see them. We all see them. And we know what they are up to. There is power in that. Isn't there? Let's follow from a safe distance. Let's keep hearing their tale. Wait. Not their tale. Whose tale? Well, we'll come to him. I can't wait till we do. He's magnificent. They came to the temple. Shattered columns, remnants from statues long crumbled. The scholar tried to identify them, but couldn't. The leader clicked her tongue at what a shame it was none of them were intact enough to sell or keep. The gunslinger kicked the severed head of a statue so hard that it broke against rock. There was barely anything here but they did find the entrance to a tunnel. A descending stone staircase with holes in the walls where torches no doubt once stood. They lit their own torches and went in. For those who have such hunger for power often lack fear of dark and sacred places, I think. Whether or not you are afraid, and I assure you I am, Let's go inside. Let's keep following them. Down, down, down. Until they reached a chamber. The doors were made of stone. Heavy and locked from the outside with one giant slab of stone. Held in place by two bolts. This should have been warning enough. The gunslinger and the leader lifted the slab from the hinges while the scholar watched. And we, you and I, my friend, watched the three of them from a distance. They opened the doors and walked through. We can follow too. I promise, it will be alright. Even though it's dark even though it could crumble at any moment, even though all the warning signs seemed to cry, Beware, 
There is something ancient here, something of great power. The scholar raised his torch up and saw a few on the wall before him. He lit those too, and the gunslinger joined him on the other side of the room, while their leader walked a straight line down the center of whatever this place was. Soon, it was lit in a very dim, very small orange glow. They are not looking behind them. They do not see us here. It's impossible, the scholar muttered, looking at the stone walls around him. I don't understand it. What? the leader asked, growing impatient seeing very little of value in these ruins. There is damage on this stone, but it looks as though it's been eroded. It almost looks as though these walls have been worn away, but by... water. And just then, the gunslinger interrupted them, his lamp falling across a strange, shining object. Look at this he muttered. It was... a huge throne made of sharp, jagged, shining onyx. And on it sat a figure. Was he stone? Was he flesh? Who was he? The king of nothingness, the lord of the dead. I have uttered these words before, in a past life, and I am uttering them again now because I do not fear him. You know something? I used to think he made me, but now I see clearly that I made him. I made each and every one of his six huge wings. I gave him that crown fashioned of bones and of red gemstone, immense and magnificent. His wings are endless. His black robes made of air are endless. His shining black hair is endless. His shimmering and shining blue eyes that I gave him. Endless. And beside him, as he had always promised, was my throne. Smaller than his, but even more beautiful. I thought he made it. I thought he had made it with carvings of roses like the one he gave me once. Roses which he knew that I loved. A symbol of life and of nature, both of which he knew I loved. But the truth is, I made it for myself and I rejected it myself. 
made of fine and rich things such as onyx, gold, marble, and silk. He is not real. He is not alive. He is magnificent, but he is gone. Well, not gone. This is not a statue, it is just frozen. A frozen god, an ancient god, my ancient god, who I made and who I rejected. All that I will never have, all that I no longer want to have. But the three adventurers, they found his curious empire. Crumbled and dusty and long deserted, hidden away in my forest this whole time. I must have hidden him here, deep, and then forgotten about this place. It feels like years ago, but I think it might have been only... I don't know, just a little more than two. Two years. Two lifetimes. I didn't lie when I said he would be magnificent. But I did lie when I said that it was his story. This story for the Seven of Wands. This story for someone who defended their power. Who was confident in their strength. Who did not let others' avarice for it cause them to doubt even for a moment. Who is that someone, then? How much can we get for this? The gunslinger said, prodding one of this facsimile of my dark stranger's six wings with his pistol. Nothing, Nothing. I answered. And the three of them turned around to see me, and you, at the entrance of the tomb. Who are you? The leader asked me, eyeing me up and down. I'm sure the icicles hanging around my face were a sight. I'm sure that my frozen fingertips and disheveled mane and whatever my horrific eyes look like now were shocking to them. Them in their fine, clean explorer's gear. How ridiculous they appear to me, now that I think of it. <sighs> I sigh, and I look at the three of them. I turn to you instead. I don't want to talk about selfish and greedy people. I don't want to tell stories of fools like this anymore. Hungry for power, careless for others, unfeeling and unable to see anything beyond what they can grab. I'm tired. Who are you? The leader demanded again. But the thing is, I don't need to explain myself to her. This is my forest. This is a temple I created. This is a temple I abandoned two years ago. And I think 
I want to abandon it again. Answer her, the gunslinger cried, aiming his pistol at me. Don't worry, my friend. It's not real. I am not afraid of them. Yes, I made them up. But even if I didn't, I wouldn't be. Because as I was saying, I'm tired of being afraid of people like this. I'm tired of being afraid of a world run by people like this. But more importantly, I don't need to prove my worth, my strength, my power, my value to anyone, let alone to people like this. Let's go, my dear friend. We have a forest to get back to. We turn to leave. We shut the stone door. It's not so heavy for us. We lock it shut. The three inside scream for a moment. But they stop when they remember that they are fictional because you and I, we are not cruel. We're just locking up three little ideas I had tonight. Three little ideas that embodied three big ideas that have been hurting my heart. And most likely yours, too. Let's leave them with the spiteful image of a figure I once created, at a time when I didn't really know my own worth, either. We don't have to prove our worth. We might need to defend it, though. What a beautiful, cold night for a walk back to a beautiful, frozen forest. I wasn't sure where that story was going to go. I did want to create a beautiful and powerful creature, an ancient god, to be in an ancient and horrific tomb. I promised someone a story of an ancient god. I brought an old god back, or at least his image, because I wanted to see him again. But when push came to shove, I didn't want to spend time with him. I just wanted to spend time with you. Just someone who wants to listen to me. Who sees value in what I give. Regardless of whether or not it's worth gold. Or fame. Or money. Or whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm talking too much, I think, now. And there's no need. There's nothing to prove. And everything to defend. I would defend your worth too, my friend. Recognize your power. See your own worth. Fight for it. I can't keep indifference, greed, and covetousness locked up forever. But I can keep them there tonight. 
At the very least, they can stay there while we get some rest. So good night, my friend. Rest well, and rest safely here. You're worth very much. You're worth the world. So am I. Sweet dreams. Good evening, my friends. This is Kristen Zaza, your host, narrator, writer, podcaster, composer, etc., etc., etc. Thank you for listening to episode 177 of On a Dark, Cold Night. Sending a big thank you to each and every one of my patrons who supports the show on a monthly basis. Thank you so much, my dear friends. If you would like to help me create the show by supporting it on Patreon, you can visit my page at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight for some details on that. Every patron of $1 US or more a month receives access to my complete soundtrack of the show, and every patron of $5 US or more gets that as well as a monthly tarot reading video I upload for every full moon. The next one is coming up this Monday, I believe, actually on the 17th which is also the fourth anniversary of On a Dark Cold Night. So big week coming up next week. Anyway, to learn more about those Patreon perks, again, you can find out more at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. And if you'd prefer to donate one time only without those perks, but with a lovely online and on-air shout-out, which I do for both coffee and Patreon supporters, you can visit ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight for more information. And we have t-shirts and hoodies available for purchase at bonfire.com slash on-a-dark-cold-night. Another great way to support the show is to leave a rating and a review for me on iTunes, my Facebook page, or on the new star rating system they have on Spotify. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at a dark cold night, Instagram at dark cold night podcast, or on my Facebook and YouTube pages just called on a dark cold night. Thank you so much for listening, my friends. Though these are, to say the least, trying times, at least we are trying right back at them. And we have each other for that. Hang in there. Take care of yourselves. Love yourselves and each other even more ferociously. Good night, my dears. Lots of love to you. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar.